Hi, you're listening to the Road to a Billion podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Georgi. Since 2011, I've sold over $700 million worth of products for both clients and my own companies. I've also founded or co-founded eight different businesses that have grossed between seven to nine figures in revenue. Today, I focus a lot of my time on teaching, training, and mentoring the next generation of freelancers and entrepreneurs. And that's why I created The Road to a Billion, a call-in radio show style podcast where I answer people's questions on mindset, business ownership, scaling funnels, copywriting, and more. If you want to submit a question, then check out the show notes to learn how, or visit me at stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe to opt into my email list. And every week, you'll get a link to join the live call-in show. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Hey, you're listening to the Road to a Billion podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Georgi, and I'm glad to have you with me here today. The Road to a Billion is a call-in radio show style podcast where you can ask me questions about freelancing, copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, scaling funnels, relationships, money, and more. The reason for the name The Road to a Billion is because I am going to be hitting close to a billion dollars in sales this year through my copy. I may have already hit it. I honestly haven't tabulated in a while, Uh, but also because I want to make a direct impact in the lives of a billion people over the next 10 years, whether that is emotional, um, mental, spiritual, uh, financial, all those different things. And I'm actually going to talk a little bit more about that before we take calls. But speaking of taking calls, we are going to start taking calls in about five minutes from now. And the way that's going to work is that you're going to put your questions into the Q&A section in Zoom here. And then my good friend, Mr. Ed Ray, is going to be reviewing those questions. And he'll read out a summary, put you on to answer them live. And then you'll be able to ask a question and we'll chat and kind of work through whatever you got going on. And I'll help to the best of my abilities. I'm obviously not so arrogant as to think I can solve everybody's problems, uh, but I can hopefully help. Uh, Ed, do you want to go ahead and say hi to everybody here and introduce yourself? Hey everyone, my name's Ed Ray. I'm a 20-year-old copywriter, marketer, and uh, I specialize in Facebook copywriting and some of the more um, sophisticated marketing for helping eight, nine-figure brands scale on Facebook without getting shut down or banned or worrying about getting the ban hammer. So that's what I do. Yeah, um, Lauren needs to talk to you. She had her Facebook ad account go down. Actually, yo, I saw that on Instagram and I was like, she knows my number. She knows, she knows, she knows who I am. You know, she'll, she'll reach out when she's ready. Yeah. Yeah. She'll, <laughs> she'll call. She's, uh, she's working on it, but just funny. She's she had like one of her most profitable days yesterday. Um, cause she like basically has got a bunch of organic sales and she, it was, it was kind of a funny thing where like, um, even though her ad account went down, she was really profitable, but, um, we'll talk about that later too. So anyway, like I said, if you're on the zoom call and you want me to answer your question, uh, going to pop it in the Q and a, and we'll get to the questions and, about five minutes from now, uh, a lot faster today because we don't have a special guest. Uh, but and hello, everyone watching on Facebook Live as well. We've got about seven people, which I feel good. I was worried with not having a guest. You know, maybe nobody will want to come hang out, but there are still some some people on Facebook Live, and I love you all as well. Uh, now, before we start, what I what I used to do when I was doing these solo more was was an opening kind of a monologue and. Um, you know, I was debating if I wanted to do it or not, but I do have a cool framework that I'm going to share. This is something I've been thinking about and it kind of comes back to my, my why I talked about this a little bit at the free mastermind I did in San Diego last Friday, which was a blast. By the way, we had like 60 plus people, uh, ended up moving it to like a Hilton right by my office so we could do it more safely. And, um, had a bunch of amazing presentations. So it was really, really badass. So if you were, if you were there, then, um, 
you've heard me talk about this, but indulge me for a minute. Cause I think it's pretty cool. So basically the day before that Brooks Briz was out with me and we were talking about my personal brand stuff and the publishing and, um, the RNBC method and, and a lot of plans there that I had. And, uh, Jude Charles was there filming and Jude Charles kind of Brooks and I were talking about some of our, like the financial goals and Jude's like, yeah, but like, why are you doing that? And it was like, well, you know, because we're going to do this and this. He's like, yeah, but like, what's your, what's your, your, what's your why? And I'm like, I talk about my why all the time. And he's like, all right, like, what is it for, you know, what you do? And I was like, oh, crap. Um, and I kind of like basically organically, like I, I knew already my why, and I've said this before, is to help people, to challenge the status quo and help people to find a better way. And the reason that that's important to me is because when I was um, going from job to job that I hated and, uh, you know, doing door-to-door sales or phone, like calling in a call center for a for-profit college and uh, depressed and all these, I always just felt like there had to be a better way in my life, a better, more opportunities, ways for me to have more freedom and feel more fulfilled. And then I met Laura at a poker table and suddenly it was as if, you know, uh, the wool was, was lifted from my eyes. And so then because I've had that transformative experience and, and now today in my life, I'm in such a, a blessed and, and kind of amazing position and place in my life, I want to help others to experience it too, because I'm just the level of, of confidence and happiness and just joy that I feel almost every day compared to what I felt when I was working in a job I hated and feeling like, uh, I just didn't have any, uh, any path forward in my life. It's like night and day. And it's like, I'm, and then it gives me the opportunity to do so many cool things and to really do what I think I was put on the surf to do. So the reason I'm bringing all this up too, is because as I talked about my why, um, one of the things that, and I brought this up before, but the, um, was, was thinking about Plato's allegory of the cave. So if you don't know the allegory of the cave, essentially it's like a thought experiment that Plato did Plato being a Greek philosopher, uh, from a couple hundred years before Jesus. Uh, and, um, he, uh, talked about like, okay, imagine there's like a cave and you've got a bunch of people kind of chained to the, like chained in place and they're side by side and they're staring forward at the wall of a cave and behind them there's like a fire going and there's these sadistic torturers who are making shadow like puppets and shadow figures basically. So, you know, the reflection, the shadows from the fire are being cast onto the wall. So the people, if you're in the cave and you're a prisoner in this cave, you're staring straight ahead and all you can see is the shadows. And if you were born in the cave and raised in the cave, and that's all you've ever known, then you don't realize that those shadows are nothing but shadows and that there's, it's a farce, right? You don't know that. Um, and it's only by, having your eyes opened and realizing that you're in the cave that you can then potentially do something about it. So the way I think about this is for a lot of people out there, if you're on this call, you're, you're, you, there's three steps. Basically I want to help people to escape the cave. That's my why, right? But the first step is realizing that you're in a cave. Cause if you, if you don't know you're in the cave, then you're not going to take any action to remove yourself from it. So the first step is realization. You, you can think of a flashlight If I shine the flashlight and you're like, Oh my goodness, I'm in a cave. Right. Um, that's step one. So that can be like, for me, it was meeting Laura at a poker table in Las Vegas and hearing about copywriting. And then it was me going to work to make $200 a day in the hot Florida sun, which was not bad money, but I still hated it. And uh, coming home and she was in underwear drinking a beer and she made a thousand dollars in the same day. And then I'm realizing why well, I need to do that. Like why, right. I'm like, I'm in the cave, right? So realization, like uh, discovering the world of uh, internet marketing, copywriting, freelancing, offer ownership, all of that kind of stuff. Right. Like, so the first step is realization. We need to help people to realize that they're in the cave. Um, and that's part of why the free content I do, a lot of it is for that. I'm, I'm doing it also as a way to help people. And I'll get to that in a second, but it's also the belief, the realization, hey, you're in a cave, right? The next step is extraction. 
Because once you realize you're in the cave, hopefully you're like, I want to get out of the cave. Some people aren't going to be like that. There's a guy in the matrix, right? Who's like, I know this steak isn't real, but I don't care. I'm going to eat the steak anyway. So there's people who are going to be like, yeah, that's great. I'm good in the cave. And God bless them. Can't do anything about them. But if you realize you're in the cave and you want a better life and you want more opportunities, and then we need to extract you from the cave. And those are where we need tools. And you can think of a rope for this. So we had a flashlight for realization and we have a rope for extraction. Uh, the rope is like, a, you know, you can you can follow the rope out of the cave. So someone goes caving, they have a rope and they go deep into the cave and then they follow the rope to come back out of the cave. Similar concept. So how do you how do we extract people from the caves? Well, for me, uh, it's a lot of stuff. I mean, RMBC method, right, is a course, is a way to do that because it's a tool, just like the rope is a tool that helps you to write better copy, get more, charge more uh, and grow in your career. Freelancer freedom, even though I haven't really promoted that a lot, is a tool. It helps you to make more money as a freelancer. Um you know, road to a billion is also a tool. It's a combination of, of um, like a flashlight and the rope because it's like, how do you, I'm, I'm giving people actionable stuff that can help them to extract themselves from the cave. So we had realization, which was a flashlight. We had extraction, which was a rope. And then the last part, the last phase is optimization. Because once you finally do get out of the cave and you know, you're making $10,000 a month or your uh, business is taking off or whatever it is, and you get out of the cave and you step into the, the bright sun and you're blinded by all of the possibilities and freedom, it's really easy to screw stuff up. So you see this all the time. People start making a lot of money and develop a substance abuse problem, or they cheat on their spouse or their relationships crumble, even if they didn't cheat, or they let their health go and they get really fat. Um, all these different things happen, right? Because like suddenly when, when confronted with this staggering amount of freedom for the first time, we don't we often are, don't optimize our lives at that point. We sort of get lost, right? And then we either go back into the cave or we sort of flounder around at the mouth of the cave and we never go out and adventure and reach our full potential. And so the last part with optimization, I like to think of a compass and like your true north. So even once you're out of the cave, where's the compass pointing? How do you keep your compass pointed towards your true north so that you're able to accomplish the things you want to do? And then there's different things to optimize, right? There's financial stuff, but there's also relationships, there's like mindset, there's, um, you know, spiritual, if you're into spirituality, there, there's a lot of different factors, but I want to share all this because I really like the framework, right? Realization, extraction, optimization. And again, that ties into the, um, the flashlight, the rope and the compass. And I really love this framework as, as explaining what I'm doing. Cause even when you come to content, there's basically just two pieces of content. I realize that I'm creating there's belief oriented content and there's tool oriented content. So belief content is like, Hey, you can escape the cave. You know, you can, and then and even, hey, you can optimize your life. It's, it's, it's changing someone's belief who thinks that they can't change something. That is belief-oriented content. So that could be an email I write, a YouTube video, this talk right now, whatever it is. Um, and then there's like tools. There's tool-oriented content, which is, again, RMBC method, paid stuff I'm doing, free trainings I'm doing. And so, but both of those things, like I, now I can realize like where, what stage is the person I'm talking to in and what do they need? Do I need to address their beliefs or do I need to give them a tool? And so... That's it, but I just want to share, I really like the framework. I saw the chat going a lot, but a lot of it was probably just people talking to Lutfi about stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm curious. Uh, yeah, The Big Leap, someone mentioned The Big Leap already, which is a really good, um, you know, a really good book. You know, someone else mentioned, by the way, too, like when I shared this at my talk, they're like, uh, maybe it was you, Michael. I can't remember if it was you or someone else, Michael McGovern, but they basically said how when um, at the end of Plato's uh, Allegory of the Cave, the person who comes out of the cave goes back in to tell everybody else that they're in the cave and then they beat him to death, <laughs> which is like amazing though. Cause I think of that from a perspective of even like, you know, quote unquote gurus, right. 
Um, and I think there are totally BS gurus out there, but it is also hard to put yourself out there and to be like trying to bring people like any, any leader, I think any leader, you don't have to be a guru. It can be a leader, right? People who, who put themselves out there and, and try to bring people out of the cave. Like you're going to re you're going to encounter resistance and hate and violence and all of these things. So, um, that's kind of an interesting point to it as well, but, uh, yeah, Plato's allegory of the cave. And, um, that explains my why. With that, we'll start questions in just a minute. But my good friend Ed Ray, do you have any thoughts on my uh, my philosophical opening today? Before we uh, before we do that, yes, sir. Uh, you're totally right. And about everybody who has a voice and uses their voice, uh, they get challenged by the people around them, even those who love them uh, and want what's best for them, because uh, <clears throat> it's scary. To go outside the cave right it's it's scary to even suggest that there is an outside of the cave for a lot of people and like you said i love the eating the steak metaphor like the matrix that's so true yeah and some people just want to bury their head in the sand and just live like that and like that's okay you know but i, I think one thing i've learned over the years is like if somebody wants to bury their head in the sand you can't you can't help them you can't help somebody who doesn't want to be helped or is trying to help themselves and be careful because there are some people who say they want help, but look at their actions. It's like, um, you give them advice, you give them suggestions, you tell them how to solve whatever problem they're going through and they never do anything with it. Yeah. Like my, my older brother, uh, he would always complain about being in a bad mood all the time. And for two years, you know, I told him all the time exactly what to do because he'd always, he'd always ask me about it. And then he's like literally complaining all the time about issues. And I'm like, okay, do this, do this, do this, do this. Never does anything. And then he even asked me for help. He's like, Ed, can you help me with this? Do you have any suggestions for me? And I'm like, no, not anymore. You don't do shit. Yeah. Not helping you. Happy to be your brother, but I'm not helping you anymore. Unless you want to pay me $1,500 an hour for consulting. You're on your own, buddy. Because like... People just don't value it usually and they don't want to escape what they're stuck with because it's oftentimes more comfortable to be where they are because that's what they know. The pain is what they know. They, they know what it's like to feel painful, but to be happy, to be successful, to be motivated, that's a whole scary world for a lot of people because there's a lot of mental BS programming that, that they've had and given themselves and beliefs that they've adopted where it's more comfortable to have failure. It's more comfortable to lose. It's more comfortable to stay where they are than it is to change the reality and to get better and to do more because a lot of people, they don't realize that they've created this world for themselves and they're stuck in it. And instead of taking the response, <laughs> of taking the responsibility of their own life, instead of taking the responsibility that they can change their own reality, they would rather blame it on other people, the government, the election, the economy, their job, rather than take responsibility for their own situation because it's easier. So they'd rather hide and blame everybody else and not take responsibility for their own actions. So yeah, that was a little, 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 little tangent for you. <laughs> Dude, that was amazing. I mean, that was like, I was not even uh, expecting after my, my cave uh, 
kind of monologue. I didn't I didn't know you're gonna go that deep with it, but I love it. Uh, I, I can go further if you if you'd like, but <laughs> Carolyn uh, Grant, I love what she said too, because she said people think they want help, but they just want validation for their remaining stuck. And I That's think that so is true. really true about uh, some people. And and I think you know, like even um, I think Lootfeed said like, what if they're scared? And it's like, and I get that, I do. But for, I think the thing I I've looked at personally, I'd be curious if you agree at is, you know, I, again, we want to help to change their belief. We want to guide them. We want to give them the push and all that. But at the end of the day, going back to the cave analogy is if I can, if there's 11 people in the cave, I know I picked 11, but let's go with that. And like, um, you know, nine of them are completely on board and I can take them out of the cave and bring them to like the fresh air and sunshine. And two of them, you know, are like, no, I don't want to go. Then is it fair to the, the other nine people? Is it fair to the nine people to like, to kind of be like, Hey, you guys got to, you know, wait over here. I got to try and work with these two. Or, and what has more impact, right? Does that have more impact to really just keep trying to push and pull and, and debate and argue uh, with those two people who are like, now nah, I'm good here? Or does that have more impact to take the nine people who want to get out of the cave and help them actually get out of the cave, right? Um, yep. That's the impact. And then, you know, maybe out of those two, to your point too, Ed, it's like one of them is maybe one's like really stubborn, but one's like, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. But then they keep kind of stopping and sitting down and making wrong turns and turning back. And complaining that the walk out of the cave is long and hard and even in there you're like look man i gotta leave you you know <laughs> sorry go back go back to the wall because like i i don't want you to die in this cave but i i also can't be responsible for you anymore i've got nine other people who are really trying to get out so um I, yeah i don't know i just i just i love i love that you can play with the the allegory and the metaphor so much but i really love your insights as well ed thanks man i appreciate that yeah. that the, the the one person who's like on the fence about leaving the sad part is that's most people like i know like you said majority of people are wanting to leave and in in, in our community that is the case but in actuality i'd say 90 like let's say like 90 percent of people are the person who just don't want to change and then nine percent of people are that guy who's on the fence and that's quite a few people i think in our industry and then one percent of people in like the world are the people who want to actually change and they want to get out of the cave. Yeah. I know. I hate, I hate generalizations like that because I'm such an optimist that I, I, I just want to believe that more people over time, maybe yeah. with belief oriented stuff, you know, I, I, but I'm always amazed. I mean, if you, you look at, uh, and we'll start answering questions in just one minute. I do want to get to a lot of questions here. Um, I just, I just, I just, even going back to like quote unquote gurus and stuff, I, I feel like I'm always amazed at how many people, follow them and people who are very like, you know, once, once a guru gets a lot of reach, it's like just very everyday people who are working a, you know, nine to five job who, uh, see like their videos. And then ultimately they get so, uh, swept up in the idea of making a huge change in their life that they give this guru a bunch of money. And then, um, sometimes it's amazing and sometimes it's disappointing. Right. And, and, um, and hence why people I think have such a visceral hatred towards gurus who don't deliver on their promises. But, um, but I mean, there is a lot of reach. I just think there's a lot of people. I, I think it's more than that. I think a lot of people do truly fundamentally want to change their lives. I think they just don't know how they don't like some of them don't have the belief, but a lot of them also don't have the tools. And I think we have to separate those two things because like mm. you know, some of them, I think the ones who just don't believe it's possible, like we can do what we, we can try 
and you know, some, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Like I've had people with RMBC or everything uh, say, you really changed my mind or my beliefs about what's possible or expand my mind. But there's other people who aren't going to feel that way. And if I show myself doing something like kind of um, successful, right? If I'm in like a nice house or a nice car and they're like, just immediately like F you, you know, oh, that must be nice. And like those people are like, all right, I can't do anything about those people. But some of them yeah. too, they just really need the tools. And if they don't have the, the tool set, then it's like, no matter how great the belief is, they just don't, it's like, you know, sitting there and staring at the ground and being like, I believe that a hole will appear. And so you can sit there staring and believing a hole will appear. Maybe once every you know trillion times, the sinkhole starts to open up. But for the most part, nothing's going to happen. But then I'm like, hey, here's a shovel. You're like, oh, okay, now you can actually start digging. And then if I'm like, hey, here's an excavator and you can, you know, really dig, um, you know, then, then everything changes for them in a hurry. So that's something I think about as well. That's a really good point. I agree with that, actually. Awesome. Well, I'm glad we agreed. Um, with that being said, should we, should we turn to Q&A and answer some questions? I think yes, Camilo. Yes, you need both belief, belief and tools. That's, abs- that's the complete part. You have to have both. If you have the mm-hmm. tools, but you have no belief, then you're probably not going to do anything with the tools, right? Because you're just going to be like, why would you? If you don't believe that the tools are leading to a better outcome, then you have no motivation to use them. Um, and conversely, if you have the belief but no tools, then you just feel frustrated and stuck and anxious. That's why I, I really, in a way, this epitomizes why I'm such a big fan of mindset because I realized after a while, it's like you can give people all the tools in the world, but if they don't have the right belief system and the right frameworks mentally, then they're not yeah. going to do anything with them. So you have to have both. Exactly. And just just like in sales and in copywriting, you have to sell the prospect on whatever is you're selling them on. You also have to sell yourself on it too. So like Stefan said with the shovel, you know, that's a tool. And someone someone with lack of self-belief can go, I know that shovels work for people. They can work for other people, but I'm not strong. You know, I'm not a physical person. I don't like getting my hands dirty. Um, you know, even if I did dig, I couldn't dig that deep. And there's all these lack of self-belief and issues that you do have to overcome as well. And by someone could have the right tools and they could be the perfect person to do something. But if they don't have the right mentality around it, they're not going to achieve it. They're going to shoot themselves in the foot and talk themselves out of it every single time through direct uh self-talk or self-sabotage subconsciously yeah 100 percent. that's a great point ed um we should we should do like a, a mind mindset monday like call or something like that <laughs> like that <laughs> talk about this stuff it'd be sick i love it yeah i love this stuff and, and i'm definitely going to write more about it and create a whole maybe mm. kind of create the framework but um but we'd love to talk more with folks about it but i'm sure we'll get into some mindset questions today um in the yeah, Q&A. so sure. that let's let's transition into answering some questions let's do it baby First up, we got Michael Rochine. Oh, nice. I need co-host Stefan. I need oh my co-host. gosh. Oh my goodness. Oh ah. my goodness. Oh, oh, Girlene better not be on this call because then she's going to start yelling at me right away for this. No, I don't think she is. Uh, no, she's well, not. I didn't want to anyway. Didn't want to hear anyway. Yeah. Whatever. Luffy, this is episode 22. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> 20, celebrating the 22nd time I've forgotten to make Ed co-host. <laughs> episode 22 of The Road to a Billion. <laughs> All right, so we got a question here from Michael Roshin about author creation. Let's go, Mike. Michael, what's up, buddy? Yo, wait, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes, sir. All right, so uh, yeah, I want to get into author creation pretty soon. I already have um, the... I'm working with the physical therapist. We already have what we want to do. Hey, Michael, sorry, real quick, because it is a little quiet. Are you able to jump the... Yeah. Is this better? Oh, yeah. All right. Turn up. Turn it up. Turn it up with Michael Roshin. Turn it up. Turn it up with Michael Roshin. 
Oh, that's I gotta do that podcast and use that as an intro. Yeah. Um, and then I'll give up after like a second week. Bye, baby. Sorry. Um, okay, so I have an offer creation I want to do. I already have the physical therapist that's gonna do it with me. Um, so after I do like the sales letter and all that, what are the next steps? So like, let's say I, I build the, the product and I want to first off test if it's even awesome. So like, I don't know if you can walk me through it, like a brand new person creating a, an offer. Cause that's what I am. Yeah. And it's a, it's an info product, right? Info product. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you are partnering with a physical therapist. Mm -hmm. You've got the offer being created and you're writing the copy for it, right? Correct. Okay, cool. So, um, I mean, I guess one question would be like, where are you going to like host it, right? Are you going to put it up on ClickBank? Are you going to do a custom funnel? Um, is it going to be like a book or is it going to be like video modules? What is the actual product going to look like? It's going to be a video module. Like this is going to be like two videos because oh, it's, so it's going to be one video on how to fix their, their back pain issue. Nice. And then after that, I want, I want an upsell to be like how to now stay in that spot, like how to not like mess it up again. Got you. Okay. So yeah, I mean, looking at where you're going to like host that video, I mean, it can be as simple as an unlisted video on YouTube, although I don't like that for like a course like this because I think people will probably find it and rip it off and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, you, but you know, do you need like a, a Kajabi? Um, can you use ClickFunnels? Uh, there's a new uh, kind of like frame system called a uh, Groove Funnels that Mike Filsane made that I'm playing with on my end. Um, but I would, I mean, figuring out, you know, it's probably easiest for you if you can use like a, like a done for you sort of funnel system versus going custom. Mm -hmm. Cause like you've got to basically create like the whole front end funnel. So the design, the dev and integrations, um, and then you have to have the fulfillment of the product, so like the back end, which is like once somebody like do they get a login, they log in, all that kind of stuff. So like that's really like you know your next step is on that side. I mean, you can throw money at it, and you can go hire somebody uh, like my my guy Hussein sure could build that whole thing for you for like five to eight thousand dollars, which is not you know cheap. Um, mm -hmm. But probably for testing it out, again, I would probably just use something like ClickFunnels or you know an alternative type uh, to ClickFunnels and just build my own my own funnel that way. And if anything, you could probably hire somebody on Upwork or, or somewhere in our space to help build the funnel on ClickFunnels for a pretty light amount. And then I would ultimately not stay on ClickFunnels because um, their load time suck and mm -hmm. all that. I mean, you could also use Funnel Connect, uh, you know, for, from Connective. But basically, I mean that that's kind of the big thing. And because well, the other thing was like the merchant processing. How are you gonna like? Um, accept payments, right? Something like this, like an info product about how to, you know, help with back pain, then, um, you know, you can probably get away with Stripe and PayPal, but I still may look at having to back up. Um, yeah, ClickBank's not a bad option either. I mean, they have processing, they have stuff like that. Um, so, and, you know, and after that, it's just getting people like testing it from testing it. If you can just run, you know, some Facebook traffic to, I mean, you've got a great yeah. network of people from copy accelerator since you're in copy accelerator. So, you know, talking to some people could help you like buy a little media on Facebook or YouTube or whatever, run some traffic to it and test it out that way. Um, yeah, that was my big, my, I think that's my biggest question right now is like the testing part. So how do you even know? Like, cause I don't know, like I'm a perfectionist. So I want to like, I don't want to launch anything until it's like exactly, absolutely perfect. I know it's a really bad mindset. I'm trying to get yeah. over it and just like put something out there and see like if people love it. Um, so I was like wondering, like, how do we know if it's on, if it's like going to be a hit, like, do we just throw a couple hundred bucks at Facebook ads and, and see if people even click on the ad or. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, you can do that. You can do a couple, you know, you can get some friends to send an email. I mean, I would just leverage my network. Like I said, though, I, I really think like, 
and you're um there is a market for the product christian i mean emily lark has like a 10 million plus per year and she's doing over a thousand sales a day for back to life which is how to get rid of lower back pain so uh there definitely is a market um but yeah i mean i i would just leverage my network dude i would just talk like talk to people um you know uh jason uh wojo like troy's roommate um does like stuff on facebook and youtube talk to mike one tempo um People always say test an email drop. I personally never, I haven't paid for an email drop in like five years. I I, oh, I personally think it's a stupid model. I'm not, even, I'm not being mean. I just yeah. like don't like it because it's like a bunch of like, you know, it's pricey. Uh, it's a bunch of lists that are getting sent promos constantly. It's usually like, you know, Bob's conservative, like gun owner lists where unless you're sort of like, uh, you know, Joe Biden, like uh, <laughs> wants to destroy America and your back, you know, type of email, like maybe it'll work then. Um, but you know, usually you don't get an ROI. I just personally don't, I, I think that that model is, is not, I don't like it, especially if you have a network. Cause people are like, Oh, well, if, if you get other people to send for your offer and it doesn't do well, like, Oh, then you burn that bridge. It's like, that's bullshit. You come to me and you're like, mm -hmm. Hey dude, like we're friends. Um, can you send some traffic to this? Here's a creative. I'll be like, sure. And if it doesn't do well, I'll be like, ah, oh, bummer. Let me know next time you've got, you know, you've, you've reworked it and we'll try again. Right. So if you go to like a random, like you go to, to Mike Geary or Biotrust and you like beg them and convince them to send and it doesn't do well and you don't have a really good relationship with those guys, then yeah, like at that point, you know, that's a bad idea. But mm -hmm. if you've got like good friends that you do in this relationship, asking them like, Hey, can you just send a little traffic to this? I'm really curious what, how it's going to go. Um, would be, mean the world to me, Like people will just do that for you. Wow. That's incredible. So this takes me to my last question about this. Is there like, and, and it's like a, a blanket. So if you can't answer this, it's, it's totally fine. Sure. But is there like a minimum amount of cash money you should have saved up before you even like try to do any of this? I don't think you need a lot for what you're doing. I mean, a lot of people, cause again, all you have to do is build the funnel, make sure you can fulfill and then, you know, pay like a light C, like a small CPA, you know, at the start and then tell people, you know, you'll definitely raise it after you get some data. Um, I really don't, I mean, if you want to hire somebody else to build out the funnel for you, then like a couple thousand bucks for that. Um, but that's about it. I mean, I really, especially cause it's like an info product. I, I don't mm -hmm. think you really need much more than that. That's awesome. How are you, how, uh, maybe I missed this. How are you planning on running traffic to this? That was like my biggest question with Stefan. He just, uh, he just answered a lot for me right now. Um, yeah. So. I, that that was my biggest hurdle. So Stefan answered that with like the the email, maybe not email drops, but like uh, YouTube ads and Facebook ads at first. Oh, okay, got it. I, so you I'm, have something else to recommend? I I definitely do. I definitely do. Right. Um, even though game. I am apparently the uh, according to Jazz Courtney in the comments, the Facebook overlord. I like that name. Um, I actually really really believe in organic strategy, like, like uh, organic Facebook. Like for example because of how much I built up my personal brand. Um, and I haven't shared this publicly before with you guys. So if you guys could keep this a secret, I appreciate that. So because of how much I built up my personal brand, um, when I posted on Facebook, uh, with two Facebook posts in two days, I filled up my email list with 200 plus people. Oh, shoot. Most people that takes a few weeks, months to get that to that part, if they're starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. um, so it depends on the personal brand and how much you want to do with your, uh, your influencer guru, whatever you want to call them. Um, but I definitely recommend either doing, uh, like picking one platform. I love Facebook. Like I love Facebook groups. They're so easy to get into and just like get a bunch of people through there. Um, Reddit, Quora, 
Uh, Instagram is also really good. Like there's all sorts of different places to attract your ideal audience, wherever they're hanging out and get them to opt into your email list eventually. Like hmm. um, I stopped posting on Facebook as much, but I got all of my leads through posting in Facebook groups and on my personal timeline and then eventually moving them over to an email list costs zero dollars. So if you really want to be lean and mean and hyper profitable, um, especially if you want to do high ticket too, uh, I definitely recommend if like you're just starting out, it's low cost and you, you get, you have a high touch point with your ideal audience. Cause you have a lot more conversations with them than you would normally with Facebook. I, I saw Stefan unmuted. So go right ahead. No, I mean, I think that, that, this is a good strategy. I feel like for like a back pain product that he wants to like take to cold traffic though. I still think getting people to do some like, you know, to, to mail to their list, you know, to get him some yep. data there is going to be really valuable. I think, I mean, again, I, I, I think what you're saying is completely valid and a really good strategy. Um, but for like a, it's more long-term though. It takes time. Yeah, you're talking to you. Like, I don't, I don't start things because I'm like a perfectionist. So, like the more you give me, I'm like, I'm like having panic attacks. So <laughs> Whenever I could get started would be, would be awesome. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, yeah, I think what we talked about is, is I think you're in uh, good shape. Awesome. Thank you, Stefan and Ed. Our pleasure. Always good to talk with you. I miss you. I miss you. <laughs> All right, Ed, who do we got next? All right, next up we have Laddie Boy Andy Jeffs about freelancing jobs. What's up, Andy Jeffs? Hey, boys. Calling you from San Diego Airport. Back off to, to sunny Vegas. I know you've been in San Diego this whole time. You've been here since like yeah. my last week. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I've been hiding away in my Airbnb, like uh, plowing away through freelancer freedom and a bunch of other stuff. I'm sorry. Yeah, I suck. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's uh, that's the deal. And I'm moving to Austin next week. Um, one of the guys from, uh, not next week, uh, two weeks from now, one of the guys who went to the mastermind uh, has offered me a room. So. I'm, I'm nice. off to Austin. Yeah, pretty sweet. Anyway, that was random. Yeah. Our, little, our little Andy bird is spreading his wings and flying. Oh, yeah. yeah Yo, I'm, I'm you're ditching me, bro. Are you really? Dude, I was, I've been meaning to come back to Vancouver for the past three months, and it just isn't happening. <laughs> I don't want to look like, like, it already was so hard getting into America the first time. I don't want to leave now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm staying. So you're going to marry yeah. a girl over there and get your green card, or what's the deal? I'm going to find myself a nice Texas woman. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so awesome. yeah, that's the deal. Nice one. Yeah. So I guess uh, my, my question is um, obviously I just got freelancer freedom. It's awesome. By the way, I've been playing through it. Um, and I think uh, one thing that is just coming to mind is I don't really know what niche I want to work in. I mean, um, you know, it would be cool if I could find something in like the music space that is interesting to me. But I'm, I'm not super closed-minded, you know. I just want to keep on building out my freelance um, business and, and keep on working with clients, doing an amazing job and just creating great relationships while doing things that I'm passionate about. Like, I, I don't really want to do, like, short-term jobs. I want jobs that are going to, you know, have the long-term success because, obviously, copywriting, you're talking a lot about specific things and I want to talk about things that I actually enjoy talking about. So I don't know. How, what, what kind of path would you take in terms of finding like um clients and and uh you know projects that you're going to be passionate about well i mean yeah. let's talk about what you're passionate about you're passionate about music yeah what else are you passionate about um traveling fitness meeting people um 
obviously copywriting. Yeah, those things. I mean, fitness is obviously the most lucrative of all of the ones that you were just mentioned there. Um, and there's like a no right. shortage of people yeah. looking for health or for help with uh, fitness types of copy. Um, yeah. I mean, to be completely honest with you, I mean, even Peter Hewlett, I don't know if you saw in the chat, but he's like, you know, I'll introduce you a bunch of people when you're here. Um, you know, DM me, oh, right. beer. But like, honestly, oh, there's yeah, such yeah. a good community in Austin that probably just hanging out with Peter for like a couple of weekends and you'll have like <laughs> as many like, yeah. fitness clients as you want. Um, right, right, right. I think so. Um, um, who, who should I hang out with? Peter. Peter Hewlett. He's a oh, fellow right, copy sweet. of Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know him. Yeah, badass, yeah. badass. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, that sounds like a really simple answer, but seriously. I mean, because I think that the, <laughs> yeah, the niching much. stuff is like, um, you know, it, it, of course, it just depends on where you're at. Like, if you, you know, financially, like, you're... Um, because like, again, if you're if you're early on, I always say like just make like like I just would I take on I would take on all kinds of different you know niches because I want to get exposed to a bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like I you know I'm, like my whole niche is mostly like health supplement stuff. Like you know for the last several years, and I guess now there's sort of a biz op side of my own products, although I don't really consider myself biz op at all. But like you know, um, but like I didn't I wasn't like. I was always interested in that kind of stuff, but I wasn't like, I, you know, I, I just sort of fell into it and then really liked it. So like if I hadn't been exposed to like that side of things through client work then I never, I, you know, my life would be really, really different. Um, so I like being open to projects if you're kind of earlier on and then honing in, but yeah. if you sort of know, like, you know, that you really like fitness, um, I think you can do other opportunities if they, if they arise, I don't think you have to limit yourself to one category, but I think fitness is the one of the most need and where there's the biggest, um, like market and the most opportunity. Okay, chilling. Yeah, that that sounds good. Um, fitness, meeting, public federate members in Austin. Bada boom, bada bang. Beautiful. Thank you, yeah. man. Of course. All right. Awesome, man. Talk soon. All right. Soon. Let go. Bye. By the way, Peter Hewlett, I'll be in Austin on uh, the twentieth. I'm gonna go. To, I've got a meeting for Copy Accelerator stuff, but then I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over to. Um, uh, we hang out for a while, so let's hang out. <laughs> Sorry, we got a brain brain fart for a second here. Are you for the next one? Oh, uh, hang out with Ron Lynch. So that's what I was gonna say. I was trying to like, what was I gonna say? Yeah, hang out with Ron Lynch that night, Friday night, the twentieth. So, Peter, hit me up. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's let's keep keep it rolling. All right. Next up, we have a question from Sam about finding high paying clients. Sweet. What's up, Sam? Hey, what's going on? How you doing? Um, pretty good. I didn't know I was going to get to talk to you guys. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I had, two, I actually had three questions, but, um, but my main question was, By all means. yeah. Um, assuming that, and I wrote, I just, just assuming that, you know, I'm someone who's, who's worked with a lot of different types of clients and, and I know that I, I deserve to be paid that much. Where do I go about finding clients for about five to 10,000 per like landing page? Yeah. Right now, I've been working on like the manifestation model, which I'm not sure is sustainable. I mean, it is in some ways, but it's like I just, just seem to attract them to me from nowhere. But I'd like to have more of a consistent kind of, you know, steady flow. Yeah, absolutely. Manifestation skills. Then I, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> much, on, I, I'm on the same boat now. Um, but you know, by, by design, not uh, <laughs> by hope marketing. Um, <laughs> Steph, you want to go ahead first on this one? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that it really comes down to your reputation and your network 
I think, you know, if you are at a place where you feel like you've had a lot of wins and you've got a lot of clients, big results, and you can really justify charging, you know, five or $10,000, I think you have to start being comfortable putting yourself out there a little bit more. Um, you know, whether the, and again, it, doing it like in a humble brag type of way, it, not like a, um, you know, like kind of like a douchey way, but like, you know, even if you put like, Oh, like, boom, so stoked, like helped a XYZ client. Like they just launched this, you know, told me they were gross this. Like I was really scared, but I also knew the project was gonna be good, but you never know. Like, here's like three lessons I learned from that. Right. Putting posts like that out there where you're kind of sharing like wins you've had for clients, like in Justin stuff and talk copy or other groups or whatever it is, um, or your personal Facebook page, if you have like whatever, um, you know, and then, but, but provide value while you're doing it. So you're not just sort of like bragging, but instead you're sort of, again, you're providing value. I think that's really helpful. Uh, and then I think on the network side, like, you know, being a part of masterminds, like I know somebody put like copy accelerator, which is like true, but it doesn't have to be copy accelerator. I mean, the thing is like, you know, as you join, if you, if you join masterminds and communities and you talk with people and build relationships that like everyone, I was just at the flight club mastermind this weekend and you can't like hire me, but, um, like, I mean, you can't, it's like, it's like, I guess you could hire me maybe for a ton of money. But point is like, I was always, people need copywriters. Like every, everyone needs copywriters. It's, it's, it's like, there's just no shortage. And these are all people who are paying, you know, $25,000, $30,000 a year to be in a mastermind. They have like thriving businesses and like, they're all, um, it's flight, not fight flight club. Um, but they're all like, you know, a bunch of people looking for copywriters. So every mastermind I've been, even back in the day, like, um, when I stopped my health supplement company and like kind of went back to doing more freelancing stuff, like just uh, talking mastermind friends were like hiring me left and right. Um, so I really feel like, you know, building a network that way is really valuable. Uh, I would really consider it, you know, it doesn't have to be a super high ticket one. Uh, but also a lot of those masterminds do have like payment plans and you can do a monthly option. I mean, copy accelerator does as well. Um, so those are the two biggest things that come to mind for me. And then, and then, yeah, maybe number three is like, and just making sure that you do feel like, uh, not being afraid to, to just quote high amounts and, and not being, if people say no, you know, being detached from that outcome, um, and doing the math, I guess that's the fourth thing I talk about, you know, doing the math type stuff where you, you may have heard me talk about that before Psalm, but basically when you talk to a client, showing them how hiring you paint the picture of how that can get them like a big ROI so that they're not thinking about, cause the big thing is like, not that they're paying you. Um, you're not getting them to say like, yes, to giving you money. You're getting them to say yes to investing in their business. And it's a really subtle, but very important difference. Right. Um, like, that's why you're like, like Steve Gunn, you're on the, can I, can I say what you're, we're going to do for CA light? If you're still in here, if you're still on the call, if you are Steve, put in chat from a lot to say it, I'll give him a minute to see if he's on here. Yeah. Yeah. So Steve Gunn hit me up. So for copy starter light, for example, we've been doing something where we've been hiring, we've been going to business owners and saying, Hey, give us $15,000. We'll hire 10 writers from copy starter light, pay them $1,500 each. And then Justin and I will pick the top two offers and copy chief them. So you'll get at least two good offers, but you'll have 10 total offers, um, to like test. And then we had, we're doing another round right now of Ryan Saplin. We had six people say yeah before. And then Steve Gunn messaged me, uh, I guess I think over the weekend and was like, Hey, can I, I really want to do that before the year's over, but I'll put up 30,000. So he's going to pay 30,000. So we're going to hire 10 writers at $3,000 each for copy started light. Steve gets 10 offers. And then two of them, you know, just now copy chief. So it's fucking awesome that Steve Gunn is doing that. And, uh, love you, Steve. But 
Steve's also doing that, not just because he's like an amazing guy, but because he ex expects, because these are writers who are trained RMBC method, they're in copy accelerator light. And, um, you know, Justin and I are going to look at the copy that he's going to get a really good ROI. So again, if Steve, uh, you know, Steve, feel free to correct me in the chat, but yeah, he says, I'm in it for the money stuff. And yeah, exactly. Like Steve is, an, an, is a, the, one of the coolest dudes I know. He's actually my guest on RMBC apply tomorrow. We're breaking down his Tommy Chong offer. Um, but like, you know, he's not just like trying to donate money. He, he, he wants an ROI. So, but he knows that if he gives like for this $30,000, there's a high probability that he'll make back millions of dollars. And so that's why he's doing it. So to him, then he has $30,000 isn't a big deal because of the ROI. Like it's a big deal. It's, it's still lots of money, but it's like, he knows he'll get an ROI. So that's a bunch of stuff. Um, but Ed, do you want to add from there? Or if I nailed it, you know, that's fine too, obviously. I mean, you de you definitely nailed it, but there's always different perspectives too, right? I don't know. I've, I've, yeah. I I I I come from a like yours. Yours is definitely the the shortcut. Yours is the shortcut if you've got the, the like shortcuts and the and the connections, and that's definitely good. Um, and I've I've used that for sure. Um, actually, one that I was putting in the chat is like, I I don't remember the last time I had to look for a client, um, just because of kind of how I set everything up. Um, and I charge ten thousand dollars for a sales letter, as of right now. So one of the best things to do, it's not, to me, it's like, yes, like Stefan said, um, it's not about like, to me, to me, it's not about like finding clients who can, uh, who will pay you a lot, which like, yes, that's really important to do that. But you have to also be, be a person who can get paid a lot as well. So that comes down to your personal branding that comes down to, um, how you show up, how you talk with your client, your self-belief, your mindset, um, as well as how you differentiate yourself. I mean, we're, we're in like a really awesome community where it's like, oh, I'm a copywriter and then people will pay you a fuck ton of money. That's amazing. I love that. That's so dope. Uh, but like, I'm, I'm going to give a strategy for somebody who maybe doesn't have the, you know, the, the tools to afford, you know, uh, mastermind or being part of a high network, uh, level network. Um, just because, and this is also another method. So you can do kind of both. So, which is starting to differentiate yourself, differentiate yourself from other copywriters and really take yourself out of that, uh, mentality of, you know, I'm a quote copywriter and then having a different persona or a story or something that people know you for that differentiates you from everybody else. Uh, if you look at um, a lot of the most successful copywriters, they all have very different um, things that differentiate them, not just their track record over many, many years, but usually they'll, they'll focus on one specific type of copywriting or they'll focus on stories that they tell about themselves that really uh, make them into a very uh, sought after copywriter. Michael McGovern says, Ed positions himself as the sexiest copywriter alive. I cannot take that title. I think it'd have to go to Stefan, um, but I do my best. So I think it's, oh, the chest. That's what I mean, I have mine too, but I have a hoodie on. So, uh, <laughs> so I think it's really important to um, also find the blue ocean in your industry as well. Like find out what people are not doing, find out what people are not helping with. Uh, find out what pain points the audience has that has not really been dealt with um, and find a way to 
write your copy around it. Like I notice a lot of copywriters, they're so good at selling other people's products or services. But when it comes to selling their own thing, they forget all the foundations of what is their audience's problem. Uh, like for example, um, I actually, I hired somebody to write a sales letter for me and I, I was, I was so burnt out. I couldn't write a sales letter. I could have whipped it up in a day, but I was like, okay, I'll pay you three grand for this or five grand, whatever it is. Um, but they didn't do their due diligence to, uh, be like, Hey, you know what? Do you have any upsells for this course? And I say, no. And they go, great. I can, I can write, I can write and make those for you for one to two grand each. And then they could have also asked, Oh, like, I know you're burnt out. How about if, you know, I write you like five, 10 emails to launch this thing. And you know, it's like one to 200 bucks per email. They could have taken a three K deal and turned it into a six K deal. So it, maybe it's not about like, you know, having a high paying client who, you know, will pay you 10 grand. Like, yes, that's important, but it's also knowing how to serve your client by solving more pain points and upselling them on more things during the buying process, which I think a lot of copywriters forget about. The other thing is also, go on. Thank you. Yeah. The other thing is, dude, I I have, honestly, I'm thinking of making like a little, a little thing on this. Um, Cause I have a lot of little stuff like this that people don't really think about when it comes to copywriting. Um, it's also really fun to talk about making money is cool. So another one is not, not selling people on, on piecemeal, but selling on campaigns. So for example, you wouldn't want to be like, okay, you know, here is like, you go to a client, how many emails do you want? Because then you become an order taker, not an expert. Instead you go, Hey, you know what? You're launching this promotion. Um, I recommend, you know, 10 emails here. Uh, as like the, or maybe like five, five emails as like the, the, the pre-launch to get them excited about the idea of it, shifts and beliefs. And then we have the launch, you know, two emails a day for a week or something like that. And then on the very last day, that's, you know, three to seven emails. So instead of getting paid for five emails, you get paid like, you know, so, so let's say you're charging 200 bucks per email. And instead of getting a thousand bucks for five emails, you're getting three to five grand for an entire sequence. And that not only uh, makes you a lot more money and positions you better, it gets your client way more results because you've orchestrated the campaign for them. So there's, there's my rant. No, that's a really good rant. You know, like, Laura, awesome. oh, go ahead, Sam. Sorry. Say before. Um, no, that's awesome. I love that. I, I've, um, I've had to I've had to be, I've been doing that for forever with the, with, but not at those price points. And I was doing hour, hourly forever, which don't do hourly, <laughs> never do hourly. No, no, yeah, no, no. no, I've had, and I had a call recently with a potential client and actually someone recently said to me, Hey, if you have a hundred percent close rate, which I do, um, you're, you're too cheap. <laughs> you're too cheap. <laughs> That's true. And I was like, okay, they're like, if, if 50% of the people you have on a call, you, you get, have a call with are, are hell yes to you, or I mean, then you're doing great <laughs> at, at a higher price point then you're doing great. But if, if they're not, um, and if it's lower than that, obviously you're maybe charging too much, but if it's, yeah, if you have a hundred percent close rate, you're too cheap. <laughs> I'm like, okay. That's so true. That's good advice. That's totally true. Steven. Oh man. Steven Butler's in, he's, he's saying he'll, he'll reach out to me for sure. Um, that's actually so funny. 
I haven't had anybody say no to my 1500 an hour price point for compliance consulting. So I think I got to up it to 2K. <laughs> I do really we'll like, um, and I mean, because yeah, Lori used to be really good doing those upsells and things like that. And to your point, mm-hmm. like, it's funny, I totally forgot about that, but that, that's such a good strategy. Um, but also the blue ocean stuff too. I mean, like one of the reasons it's easy for me to command such high fees is when people are like, who is the best person in the world at writing the sales letter for like a health supplement or like a new health offer. And it's like, my name is always one of the, like the three names that comes up mm-hmm. and then they reach out to me and then I'm like, uh, you're really good at it. So it's like, you know, you, like you, you targeted compliance, but, um, you know, who's the best at writing copy for going back to manifestation, like the manifestation sort of, um, like that space. And it's like, well, Alex Catoni is one of the absolute best. Like there's a person who comes up. So like, if you can be that person or in that conversation for, you know, uh, a niche within the marketplace, it just makes it a lot easier to, to charge higher fees. Cause now you're not another copywriter. You're the expert at the go-to person at this. And it just makes charging way better. Um, Ed, you- Ed, you'd kind of mentioned personal branding. Um, and I wanted to know, I, cause I've been waffling about whether I should invest in that. I don't know. Is it, is it really worth it? I mean, to go all out for like an $8,000 website redesign and get my, you know, my, my personal niche is, is, is health coaches right now. Um, but mm-hmm. I also, I, I do work with, um, with like Eckhart Tolle was one of my clients. I have like Lisa Nichols, a lot of like, um, personal development people. So, um, I mean, I could, and then that's how my, my copy right now on my website is sort of geared toward health coaches and toward conscious entrepreneurs, how specific do you want to be number one? And then how important is the personal branding? Is that like, is that really something we should invest in? So two things, one, you don't need a website to be, to have a personal brand. That's a fallacy. Um, Personal branding at the end of the day is just how you show up in the eyes of your audience. That's it. It's just how you talk about yourself and how you position yourself. I guess better than personal branding is more positioning is a better way to look at it. Um, like Stefan said, he's positioned himself as, you know, the mentor to copywriters. He's positioned himself as, you know, the, uh, like, you know, almost billion dollar copywriter. He's positioned himself as the owner of copy accelerator, you know, co-owner of copy accelerator, which is like the most prestigious copywriting and marketing mastermind in the world right now. And he's positioned himself as somebody who dominates supplement health copy. It's like, he, he, like he has a website. Sure. But it's, you don't need a website to change the perception of your audience and how people respond to you. Also a couple more thoughts. Um, and I think, but you can have a website, but you don't have to pay $8,000. I mean, I mean like, like you can just like build, build you, on WordPress can. for free or I pay someone 500 bucks or something. I have a yeah. basic website. Um, but be like 8,000 is outrageous. Like I don't like, I yeah. feel like I paid a couple grand for my website. I don't even have a website. Like, I know you don't, but yeah, but I think, okay. So I, but I'm, let me tell you, I mean, cause I have my list. Like, how did you, like, where did you uh, hear about me? And it's, and like, you know, so I, I look at it every single day and then I, I, like I talk about it all the time. I totally like don't want to prove people who don't give me good answers, but um, it's Same. like, I do get website a good amount. Um, but it's not, they didn't, they, it was not organic SEO. It's because they heard about me on a podcast or something like that or somebody mentioned me and they went to my website and then they opted into my list. Um, really for me, it is like, um, people join the Justin seven talk face copy Facebook group. Cause now like after a couple thousand people in it, we're like, Oh, we should probably tell people when they join to opt into our list. 
Uh, YouTube actually gets me a lot of people and YouTube's free. If you're comfortable putting yourself out there and doing videos, um, I get opt-ins every single day to my list from YouTube. Uh, Instagram, I actually get opt-ins pretty much every day from Instagram. And then it's like word of mouth referral. Um, it's like people like talking about me in different like places is probably like at least 50% of my list is just word of mouth and referral for sure. So, um, but like the website itself, like organically falling on my website isn't a lot. So, um, guest podcasts are good. I get, I get a lot of people from guest podcasts. So those are kind of things that for me are working the best. Like LinkedIn, I hardly get anybody, which is why, um, I'm kind of like telling my team, like we should, maybe we should pull back on LinkedIn a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's helpful. Um, some, I think well, we have a lot of questions. So I think I'm going to cut it on there. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thank sure. you. Thanks Great guys. Question. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, I see a lot of people, uh, saying, um, that they found me on, uh, YouTube. Someone said, I wonder how many people, all the coffees, all the stuff added to the list. A good amount. I had a lot of people opt in that day. Um, which is cool. And then Justin Stephen talk copy cause he linked to the post. So that added like a ton of people to Justin Stephen talk copy. Anyway, okay. and who do we got next? So next up we got Clint about, uh, time management and energy management. Sweet. What's up, Clint? You there? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear there you now. There we go. Yeah. So it's 3 a.m. in the morning here um, in the Philippines. And uh, I'm from RNBC um, as well. And not much of my question is really about copy, but more about how do you manage your time and your energy that you don't so that you're really optimal in your performance as a copywriter. So for example, you know, you have different kinds of creatives to work on. Um, you know, you're working on emails and landing pages. So, you know, one of the biggest fascinations that, you know, that one of the biggest things that I got fascinated when about you, Stefan, was that you're writing a crazy amount of um, sales letters. And I think it was on different niches as mm -hmm. well. And we just imagine how much research and time that took from you. So my question is like, what would you be advised to be very productive and, you know, becoming a copywriter, becoming more effective and like managing your time and your day, you know, basically how that looks like um, and, you know, what worked for you that you didn't get to burn out. Were you like pulling on all nighters or were you like having morning writing copy in the morning or in the afternoon, if that makes sense? Yeah, it does. When I was writing a prolific amount, like 12 sales letters a week or so a week, not quite uh, a month. Um, I, yeah, I was like writing all day, every day. Um, and doing that, it got really easy. It was like flexing a muscle. Um, cause like I was doing it so much that I got into like a, a rhythm with it. Um, and, but it was also like literally the only thing that I had to like do right. Like today yeah. I could still do 12 sales hours a month if I like want, I don't want to, but I could, um, but I would have to cut everything else out. Um, so that's sort of number one. Um, you know, then, I mean, RBC really does help. And as you practice it and get better, but again, if you're writing every day yeah. and you're doing like letter after letter, it really helps. Um, I helped too that even though they were different like niches, um, it was like generally still the same demographic for the most part. It was like generally still like older it. conservatives. So yeah, I would still research like their specific pain points and other products, but it wasn't like, um, entirely different, like, you know, kind of category where I went from writing to like 65 year old conservative men to suddenly writing to like 20 year old, uh, like Instagram, like 
woman on Instagram. You know what I mean? Cause that would be a big, yeah. big switch kind of, uh, so that made a difference. And then, I mean, to, to what I do today, um, you know, again, I write like less, I still write every day. Like I wrote, I did, well, I worked on a sales letter for like two hours this morning from like six to eight. Um, so I like waking up early. So for me, like what I've been doing, you know, recently is, um, I wake up at like five, five thirty. I like waking up even earlier. It just, uh, just depends like whatever, I guess. But, um, and then like, I'll have coffee, but like within the first five to 10 minutes of being in my home office, I will start mm. working on whatever sales letter is I'm working on. Um, and I'm really, I think it's really important to do that right away. Cause what the trap is that you come into your office and you're like, all right, but I'm still a little groggy. So let me just go on Facebook. Uh, let me just read the paper. Right? There's things I do. Like, oh, let me check wall street journal. Like, let me just, um, do this. And then suddenly it's like 20 minutes later and like your mental disciplines already starting to wane. And then like, you know, 45 minutes in and now you're answering threads and now you feel kind of distracted and because I mean, literally Facebook yeah. gives you dopamine hits to your brain. So it's like, you know, um, like it's like smoking a bunch of cigarettes or something. You know what I mean? It's like, you're going to start feeling like yeah. all disjointed. So, um, and then I found for me personally that by doing that, like even today I'm working on an offer for, uh, some people. And, um, I like, I like, I found some really interesting stuff. Like I'm the mechanism is it's like fascinating. I'm like so into it. And I, when Laura woke up, I like told her all the stuff about the mech. I was so excited that, but like, I, I was like bummed to stop, but I was like, I would rather stop when I feel bummed that I'm stopping because then like, I'm yeah. already so excited that tomorrow morning I get to go back to it and I can really dial this in. And so even just only working like two hours a day on the letter, um, it's like this week, I just really focused on this week. I got, you know, research done, mechanism done, and like part of the brief done. And it's just been like two hours every morning. Um, and then I'll, you know, probably t- tomorrow I'll, I'll, I'm going to basically finish the brief and then I'll probably start writing copy maybe over the weekend yeah. just for in the morning before my family wakes up. Cause like I might, cause I'm kind of excited to write it. But again, I think it's better than if you feel like the whole day is stretched ahead of you and like all you're going to do is write. It's really hard to feel that. Day. I think most of us, if you can put in a couple of good hours a day to writing copy, then you'll be shocked by, um, you know, how quickly you can actually write stuff and how good it is. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest reasons that I'm asking this as well is you know, simply because I think I might not be in a position where I'm just writing for one niche. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm just kind of like starting to write for a, uh, for a client, of, um, the personal development niche. So basically his promises are kind of like a bit too vague, but because of his personal brand, um, he ended up, you know, getting away with promises by actually getting on sales calls with people and actually having genuine you know, conversations on his Instagram with people. And that's what converted them. So basically like finding revision, all that stuff. And on the other hand, in the spectrum, I also have a client that I'm writing for in the biz ops space. So basically helping them, you know, make money on e-com and stuff like that. So one of the things that, you know, was kind of like holding me back was basically how do I juggle, you know, writing for two markets, um, you know, for two clients at the same time. Um, And, you know, I think you have written for a very similar demographic, but what would you be advised be? For example, uh, let's say, let's pretend that I have like three, like for a span of four weeks that I'm able to, let's say, turn over two sales pages. Would yeah. you go on a cadence of like, um, today I'm going to have 50% of it. I'm going to work in it, um, on, on BizOp and then the other one with a self-dev client or just knock out RMBC and, you know, just finish like, um, one, one sales letter for the, personal development client, then, you know, once that's finished and go ahead and do the biz up, you know? Yeah. The, the latter, I mean, that's what I do. Like I have like, I don't know, four or five letters on my docket, but I'm just one at a time. 
Um, mm. I mean, like if you really like over time of practice, you could potentially do like a morning session and like an afternoon session, um, where you're like, all right, in the mornings I'm working on this letter and the afternoons I'm working on this one. But even then to go back and forth, like between the two, I, I just don't think that's a really good approach. I mean, if you've got four weeks then it's like take two weeks for each one, you know what I mean? Or if it's three, then mm. take a week and a third for each one or whatever it is. Um, a quarter, we got a quarter. Um, but yeah, I would do it that way. I think that that people like because you have anxiety, like, oh, I'm not working on this one. But it's like, yeah, but you don't have to be working on that one. It's not due for two more weeks or whatever it is. So just get through the yeah. first one and have no more anxiety about that one. And then as you're working on that one, then you'll have no more anxiety like either. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that like sense. that's the way I look at it. Yeah, 100. Thanks, Stefan. Yeah, happy to help. Ed. Let's keep going. Let's try and we'll keep our we'll try and keep our answers fairly short. I don't we have to go quite to speed round yet, but 20 minutes. Let's try and be we'll be pretty succinct because I do want to answer as many as we can. So who's next? Sure, we got Lutfi about finding out his why. What's up, Lutfi? Hello, he's Stephen here. Yo yo. Yeah, so basically my question is like, how do you like go about figuring out what your why is in life? Yeah, because sometimes I just like feel lost. So yeah, that's basically. Yeah, I mean, there's like a our friend, our like a friend of mine, um, Dr. Gary Sanchez has the Y Institute, and he has like a quiz um, that literally can like, just tells you what your why is. So honestly, an easy way to do it is to do that, and then evaluate it and see if um, you know, like this works for you. I think if you go here and say "discover my why," and then it, I think it's free. Let's purchase now. I think he has like a free Y quiz somewhere or something like that. Um, but basically I would, I would, I would try something like that to start. And then I would reflect upon what you get from results. And then like, basically, um, you know, does that actually fit? Is it true? Does, do you think, do you, you know, evaluate it? Maybe he's right. Maybe he's wrong. But he basically took like Simon Sinek's like, you know, book start with why, which you should also read that if you haven't. Um, and then turn it into like a codified way of like, here are the different types of whys that people have and like kind of then makes it easy for you to go through. So I put the link in the chat. Um, but you know, I, I think honestly that's as simple as, as like that, that's my cheat code for it. Well, damn, that's news to me. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what about you? In, in finding it out? Yeah. I'm still working on it, man. Honestly, I, I used to be able to give you a solid answer, but um, right now I'm not so much the good person to ask for that, uh, but just know that it is, it's normal to have fluctuations where like, I used to think I know what, what knew what my why was and then it changed and then it went away for like three years or so. Um, and then I'm just now starting to find it again. Um, so definitely can come in ebbs and flows. And at times that you don't necessarily know what your why is, um, focus on your intuition and what you feel called to do and uh, pay attention to that. Even the small things, you know, um, doesn't have, doesn't necessarily have to be work related. Uh, because oftentimes we think that our, our why has to be about work, which is true in that it's related to it, but it's not the whole thing. So like for me, you know, me and my friend were talking about, um, you know, buddhist monasteries and how they heal people and stuff and i was very interested in that so that's a mental note i'm like okay that's something I'm very interested in and i feel called to explore more keep that in mind and then as more and more things get 
uh, like unravel, you start to find out patterns about yourself about, oh, you know, I'm very interested in spirituality, which I am. I'm very interested in plant medicine. I'm very interested in um, serving, especially younger generations. But I, I feel called to be the, the light to help people, lost people especially, uh, evolve to the next area of their life and unlock the true potential. I feel like that's starting to become my, my mission and my purpose and my why. But it could change, you know, and it's okay to change. But just know that it's not always going to be consistent. And um, you're never going to find your one answer. It's always going to be evolving. So there you go. Yeah, I think I like that because I, maybe I have the misconception that the why needs to be consistent. But I guess it can change. Yeah. And as long as you're doing things for the right reason, um, that's all that matters. Like a lot of people will do stuff without thinking about the why behind it. And it shoots them in the foot later. So even if you don't have your why per se, if you ha have your why behind why you do things, why you um, write a certain way, uh, it'll help to unravel that as well too, just by noticing what your core values are. Actually, core values too are really important to find out um, because then you have a code of conduct almost. Uh, definitely check out the 16 personalities test and then take that um, <laughs> more quizzes and then buy the little packet or whatever. I think it's like 40, 50 bucks. It'll help you find out your core values and um, help you get to know yourself better. And I definitely recommend that. You know, I did that for our whole team for my um, kind of personal brand publishing yeah, side. Yeah, we, we did that. Yeah, Luffy did his too. I'm like uh, ISTG or something like that. I am an INFP-A. I just put it in the chat. I'm the, the mediator. Up so fast? The mediator. <laughs> I'm 64% introverted. However, I'm the most social of all the introverts. Um, 67% intuitive, which I totally agree with 68% feeling 53% prospecting 67% assertive. Uh, my role is the diplomat and the strategy I have is competent individualism, which makes sense because I'm very much in very, in, and I'm, I'm an individualistic person. I, I definitely believe in that. So, um, INFPA is where it's at for me here. Um, wait, wait, can we do, can we do as an INFP as well? Yo, I'm an I'm an ENFPT. Let's go, ENFP baby. I'm the extroverted Stefan. It's awesome how many people know like from this 16 person. If you haven't taken the test, we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes for sure. Um, how says I think about INFP. Luffy INSTJ. Oh yeah, Luffy put his in there. Yeah, the the logistician. Yep, that makes sense to me. ETNJ. Gosh, I'm not to go on a rabbit hole, but um. Where's the link to that 16 personalities thing? Put in the, it's someone put in the chat. It's literally 16personalities.com. Okay. Well, I'm, like, I'm going to pull it up and I'll put it in the Facebook Live uh, comments as well. So if anyone wants to take the test, for those watching live, I just put it in the Facebook Live too. Stefan, um, I'm the campaigner. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> um, what was Laura? She was the, uh, she might have been the campaigner, uh, campaigner as well. Yeah. Campaigner. Oh. I'm a bad husband. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> All right, let's answer uh, let's answer some more questions. All right, I'm looking I'm looking for some. I answered a couple. I mean, like obviously, someone asked about how I select a shirt, to which I said um, it's all about how it makes me feel, which is true. I just have to feel happy. I will I will legit go to put something on in the morning, and then if I just don't feel like a good energy about it, then I'm like no, because like if I don't feel a like good energy about putting the shirt on now, then I'm not gonna feel good about myself or feel like a good energy for the rest of the day. So I legit actually do like have a whole thing with that where um, I try to only keep stuff in my closet that, you know, the, the, um, where the tidying up lady is, right. Like, does this thing bring you joy or sorrow or whatever? 
And I really try to keep like once a month or two, I'll legit just purge my closet. Any shirts in there I haven't worn that I'm like, I don't, this doesn't bring me joy. I don't want to wear it. Then I just put it. This does not spark joy. And then you just fucking get rid of it. I put in a Goodwill pile and I donate it for real. See, um, Stefan, I do the same process, but I always find that I'm not happy wearing a shirt, you know? <laughs> yeah, you just, yeah, for you, it's like no shirt sparks joy. No, no shirt sparks joy in me. <laughs> oh, man. Um, um, yeah. All right, let's go to the question. All right, we have a question. Oh, good question from Dan Chong. Oh, are you there? Uh, yes, you are. Uh, about, this is a short question. Do you have a process for identifying what to focus on in your business? What's up, Dan? Hey, Stefan. Hey, Ed. How are you guys doing? Yo, yo. Good to you hear your voice, buddy. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah, can you hear us? Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Cool. Well, thanks for having me on this call. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the question is pretty straightforward. I mean, it seems like you're doing a, a million things, Stefan. So I'm wondering, you know, how do you identify sort of what is the key thing that you want to focus on your business right now? Yeah, I look at... Um... I mean, let me, let me actually let me think about this and give you the, the best answer I can. I, I, can I, can I talk? I think awesome. I mean, you can, I do want to answer it because it's good. Okay. I, want, I want to have a good answer to not just like to sound cool, but I'm just like, what is like my way? Like <laughs> you always sound cool. Stephen. No, no. But sure. I'd go, go ahead. While I so think I, about it from my perspective. Yeah, sure. I, I have some questions though. When you, when you say focus on, hold on, let me reread re, re, re your question. When you say focus on your business, are you talking about like, when you have an issue, how do you know what issues to focus on? Are you talking about what metrics to look at? Are you talking about what products to create? Like, what do you mean by focus? I guess in terms of growth, um, because I guess we are in a stage where we are growing and there's a lot of opportunities that we can explore. So it's a matter of narrowing down opportunities. So I guess the question is, what do you, is, do you have a process essentially for identifying what's the best opportunity, if that makes sense? does i do have thoughts but i do want to go first yeah i think going going back to like your your again with the whole lutfi thing going back to your why it's like okay like let's say you have um whatever business you have you, you go okay let's say that your 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 really big thing is how do i best serve my clients like you really are very passionate about getting your clients and customers in a, a specific result or helping them get better results so it's always like how can i better serve this person right how can i better serve this individual um so then you create products to help better serve them you craft your marketing message to tweak that to help better serve them and get more sales um you also you know, reduce customer wait time, right? You also take, take a look at feedback from the market as well. Um, I think the number one word to, for this is optimization. It's like, where can you optimize your business and create systems and processes as well that help you scale up? It's kind of a, it's kind of a hard question to answer unless like we know more of the specifics of your business and like what you're dealing with. Um, but oftentimes it just comes down to what it's like, what is, what is your goal? And then what are the three big rocks or big moving parts that will help you get there? So that could be like, um, you know, let's, okay. Let's say like our goal is to enroll a thousand people per day. Right. Okay. So to focus on that and get that sorted out, okay. Well, what three things 
core do we have to focus on? Okay, we need compelling marketing message, compelling product, um, and you know, probably like good upsells and stuff, right? It's Stefan, what do you think? Oh, you muted. Sorry. Yeah, I took a picture actually of, of a criteria. I mean, I think a lot of it, Dan, is like um I mean I think that was good, Ed, first of all. Second of all, Dan, um, I think there's a there's there's a, an intersection of um of does this like follow our why and our mission and is this sort of uh within the range of our core strengths and competencies? Cause there's mm. a lot of opportunities that it's like, well, we don't really know how to do that, but it'd be cool if we could do it. Mm. And it's like that stuff's like, yeah, but that's also a lot of time, energy, money. There's a lot of stuff that's going to go into that. Cause you're gonna have to either spend yeah. a bunch of money to hire somebody. So I do think like an, maintaining an alignment with your kind of core competencies or being within that sort of uh, you know, circle is really valuable. Um, a couple of the other criteria I had written down for when I was like whiteboarding some stuff. I hope I took a picture of this. I got one more thing, by the way. I did. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the other thing would be like, um, this isn't actually perfect, but like, like, um, yeah, and even like the ease of creation. I mean, that kind of goes under the core competency. Um, but like, you know, is there something like, like, because like if one thing is going to take me like a year to do and another thing I think will get similar results bring us closer to achieving whatever our mission is or, or you know uh, in alignment with that and it's gonna take a month i will generally go for the stuff that takes a month unless like um you know there's some really compelling reason not to uh but like you know i think for like for, just like with my personal stuff just to speak from experience right with um rmbc and all that like one the kind of realization i had recently was um like simplifying the content i'm still keep doing you know road to billion other stuff that i'm doing um and again, I looked at the framework of like a lot of it's like belief content or tool kind of oriented content. Um, but then it was like, fuck, you know, like I'm a marketer, like I create funnels. So I'm like, one thing I should really be doing is like, like why I'm just like, I'm like, I have one thing for RBC method for 997 and I'm just sort of like throwing some traffic at it. I'm like, what am I, like, what am I doing? I'm like, let's do a version that's like $97, you know, front end and then like, you know, 30 day, like basically try it for 30 days. And at the end of 30 days, you do three payments. And if you don't like it, then you don't have to pay anymore. And I'm like, Oh, not just that. I'm like, want to create more, like I should, you know, like here's eight mistakes that are stopping you from getting clients as a freelancer as a lead gen. And that goes into like, you know, freelancer freedom or a modified version. I'm like, I'm like, like, I don't want to get lost in product creation and like for no reason, but it's like in the day, like I've got so much good stuff that I can share and turn into products and then create funnels for it and optimize those funnels. I'm like, Oh, that's like what I'm really one of the best in the world at doing. I'm like, I should like be, but I'm not doing any of that. I'm like, kind of like, Oh, what are we doing on LinkedIn? And I'm like, what am I, you know, like, why am I like, like, what the hell am I doing over there? Um, like, yeah. let me go back to my core competency. And again, as like between when I have a congruent, like alignment between the free content and the paid content, um, that's moving towards the why of helping people to escape the cave. You know, I have the criteria still. So for example, doing something about, um, I don't know, just some like some douchey course that like wouldn't actually help anyone escape the cave. Yeah. It's like, I know, right. Oh, don't do that. That doesn't align with anything. So I think that's kind of how I'm evaluating things currently. I, I got okay. one thing, actually, Stephanie, you just reminded me of it. Um, at the, at the old company I used to work at, um, we, we use this tool called rice to help us decide what projects to focus on. So <laughs> yeah, Stephanie, you're a terrible secret keeper. <laughs> um, so basically on a scale of one to 10, we would measure things. Um, like let's say we have, you know, five to 10 projects we want to work on or initiatives we want to do. Well, how do we prioritize that? Right. Again, it goes down to focus, which is why I asked you so many questions about what you want to focus on and what that means to you. 
Um, Because part of focus is choosing not just coming up with stuff to work on to focus on, but also choosing what to focus on of all the things you chose to focus on, you know? So Mm -hmm. um, rice means uh, on a scale of one to 10, reach, impact, confidence, and effort. So reach is how many people will this affect? Like customers, um, staff, et cetera. Impact is how much it'll, it'll, uh, has to do with your bottom line or um, conversion updates or not updates, uh, conversion increases. And confidence is how, how confident are you that this is going to work? And then effort is how easy is it to do it? And so if you have something that's high, high impact, high uh, reach, sorry, high reach, high impact, but low confidence and then high ease. So it could be a very easy thing, but it's a big gamble. So it's like, is that worth your time if it's a big gamble, even if it's easy? The good thing is because it's easy, it's, it's a quick test because it's very easy. But if you were to say you do something that's, that's high, like super high reach, super high impact, medium confidence, but uh, pretty low E, so it's relatively difficult to do and it takes time. That's a high risk, high reward situation where there's a big payoff, but it takes a long time to get there. So in, in terms of helping focus on important things to do, it's a definitely a very useful uh, thinking tool. Hmm. Yeah, that's definitely very helpful. Thanks, guys. Um, there's one thing that I'd like to share about finding a why, if you guys don't mind, just because it's, I guess, on topic. Yeah. And it's kind of what we do uh, in our business. Um, so one thing that I've realized, you know, uh, well, so my business partner, Mike Gillette, he's a really motivated individual. I would say I'm a pretty motivated individual as well. But that wasn't really always the case for either of us. And I think that a lot of people hit a turning point when they're really in pain, right? I mean, how many times do you hear stories of people hitting rock bottom and then climbing out of that? So finding your why, actually, to me, it's really about being willing to suffer. And it's about, you know, what is it that really hurt you? And when you are able to, you know, resolve that problem for yourself, you can look at bearing the responsibility of resolving that problem for others. So, the, the deeper you're willing to go on that. Because if you understand what it feels like to be at rock bottom, you can also empathize with others. And that's very motivating when mm. you are willing to shoulder the burden of that of that pain, I guess, of others. And I mean, I find motivation in that. So uh, that's my two cents in that. So appreciate uh, what you guys shared, but I think the core competency thing is definitely very true. And also the rice too is very helpful, actually. Ne- yeah. Definitely never heard of that one. So. Uh, that's my two cents on that. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Amazing. Man. Thank you. Cool. Damn. Well, just like that, Ed, we got only three minutes left. I mean, I'm gonna, let's try and rapid fire a couple. I'm going to go through the list here. All right. You go right ahead, buddy. Um, let's see. Max Urea, what is the best way to contact big companies like yours, Stefan, or Dan Locks to write new copy for, or to write copy? Counting on the fact that I provide a huge amount of free copy up front, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, people have shared tools for this kind of stuff. Like, I forget there's one that that's sort of like you can go on LinkedIn and then pull people's email addresses. Does someone put in the chat? Do you know what I'm talking about? Where it's like you basically can like um like put people's LinkedIn pro hunter.io. Yeah, Hunter. Thank you. Um, so if you go in and look at people on LinkedIn and stuff like that, you can use hunter.io and like you can find their email addresses all the time. Um, 
So, and then, you know, try and go for the owner or like the decision maker. Don't reach out to like the copywriter. Um, Cause if you reach out like, like if you reach out to a copywriter and you're like, Hey, I'm a copywriter and I'll do stuff for free. Like there's a chance that copywriter is going to feel threatened and like not share your stuff. Um, but yeah, if you can reach out to the business owner of the samples, that's how I would um, approach that. So yeah, done with that one. Okay. Um, Mark Brown, I'm brand spanking new to copywriting. My first copy was my submission for the Todd Lamb offer and copy started light. Um, but I want to create an offer. What are the steps for creating an offer? Um, probably can't answer this one in a super rapid, super rapid fire way, but, um, I don't know if I would do, I don't know if I would, I mean, if you're so, if you're, I mean, you can, if I, if I was so new, I would, I would get a little more experience writing copy for people and then create an offer. Cause I think you'll understand how offers work better by writing more copy and seeing more funnels and things like that. Um, from my perspective, like I'd be careful about jumping right into an offer. It just seems like it's going to be a waste of time and money. Um, and, and an expensive, it'll be an expensive mistake. You'll learn. And then a year or two, you'll start an offer and make a bunch of money and tell that story is a funny story, I guess. But why, why, why lose money to learn when you can get paid to learn? Yeah. Yeah. I really agree with that. So Mark, I mean, we have, we talked to you about that more at some point, but I, I really think, um, I'd be careful with that. Uh, Manuel, uh, Manuel Zapata, what would be the best approach to get clients for daily email copy? Would you recommend the work in advance method or would it be something else? Um, I mean, I don't know if there's like a, the best approach, but I think, um, I think, you know, cold prospecting people. Um, I don't know, Ed, what do you have? It's like a lot of stuff we share a lot. I'm trying to think of like, if there's anything else I would. Honestly, like most of the time, um, when people ask uh, questions about how to get clients, it's something that you always talk about stuff and it's super straightforward. It's just, Hey, I wrote you some samples. Do you want more? We can talk about that. And that's it. Um, the one thing that I think the, the big issue with uh, daily emails, not that there's anything wrong with it, but hurdles you have to overcome when it comes to the client is uh, you, have to get, you have to get your foot in the door. So it would be like send them samples. Okay, cool. They like it. Maybe write a couple sequences for them. They like that. They like your style, then you can offer for the daily email. But for the most part, if you offer it out the gate, it's probably going to be a no, uh, just because they don't know you trust, like you trust you that much. Uh, they're like, is this person going to write my voice? Are they going to suck? Um, so definitely uh, tiptoe your way to daily emails. I wouldn't do it right out the gate uh, just because it's also um, not something most people are ready to give up until they really, really trust you. So yeah, that's, that's my feedback on that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Steven Butler, I got my first client from paid event, the virtual copy accelerator one. Woo, let's go. Yeah, Steven. Um, damn. And we gotta, we gotta be more succinct in our answers next time because I've got, I want to like, there's a bunch of good questions here that we're not going to be able to get to. I know. So good. I feel awful. I feel, I feel sorry. If I didn't get to your, to your question, Please come back. I promise we'll do, you know, we'll get to it next time. Do you want to just do like, do you want to do just like rapid fire next time? I honestly, maybe we should. I mean, I just, there's so many good questions too. And even like Steve Gunn yeah. had one on relationships, which would have been really fun to answer. I think he's gone. He had to go do some other stuff. Um, yeah. Next time, I guess. So I'm sorry, but we, I love everybody. Thank you so much. This is the end of today's on a sad note. Today is uh, the end of the road to a billion, but thank you everyone who joined. Thank you for asking questions. Um, thank you 
so much for just spending time with me, whether you're on Facebook live or you were here on the zoom call. Um, and Ed, thank you for, uh, being an amazing, co- you really got to, you got to, to flourish today. You've been, you know, you, we had the guests, you're, you know, you don't get to chat as much, but I was like, damn, you know, forget how, what a, what a sharp young man you are, Ed. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you everybody. If you're on uh, RMBC applied, I'll see you tomorrow. Everyone else, I will see you next week on another episode of the road to a billion. Goodbye. All right. That's just about it for today. Before we finish, though, let me share a little bit more about how you can stay in touch with me. I have a private email list where I share high-level tricks, strategies, and insights about copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, and more. In fact, often my podcasts are based on topics I first emailed out to my list weeks or even months earlier. So if you want to get brand new stuff from me every single day, go to stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. These emails are often upwards of a thousand words, and I send them every day. So make sure you really can commit to engaging with me on that level. But as long as you can, and you should, because I do drop a ton of value in these emails, go apply to join my list today. And again, the web address is stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. And in case you don't know how to spell my name, which is okay, it is S-T-E-F-A-N, Paul, and then my last name is georgi, G-E-O-R-G-I.com. So stephanpaulgeorgi.com dot com forward slash subscribe and I will see you in my email list.